0: Welcome to Trinity, Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Come on, let's give them a hand. We had a great week. Thank all of you who came in person, those of you that watched online and those of you that are going to watch online. Thank you for investing into your, not only your spiritual life, but into your coming, into the coming year. And so it was a great investment of our time, a great time to get together. Something happens when people get together and worship the Lord every day. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, you read that, you know, in the book of Acts where the early church, they got together from house to house and in the temple daily, worshiping the Lord. And it's just something that happens to you, something that changes and refreshes you about being together for a whole week, worshiping God, taking communion together, praying for one another. It's pretty amazing. I want to start today with a big thank you. You know, without our volunteer base, we could not have this service or any services, really. I mean, I've thought about, you know, often just thinking, okay, we're going to have one Sunday where there are no volunteers, none, zero, no staff, no staff. And I'm just going to get up here. I'm going to lead you in worship. (laughs) I'm going to take care of your kids, and I'm going to pray for you right before I fall off the stage and die. (laughs) But, but you know, so our volunteers are so important to the work that we're doing here. And so we had the best week of presence I can remember. Our had a wonderful our worship team. Want to thank them. Hospitality team. Our media team. Our security team our first impressions team, our children's team. You know, those uh, people that work next door and minister to our children, they're not babysitting them, they're discipling them. They're giving them the word of God. I mean, they're planting seeds in their lives that mommies and daddies are getting to harvest later. And so we just could not do church without our volunteers. So let's give all of them a big hand. We're grateful. We're grateful for them. We started last Sunday night, last Sunday night when I said, look, look, we need to prepare our hearts for an encounter with God. We looked at David and we said, what did David do to make himself ready for an encounter with God? Well, first he determined that he would be a son. He would be a member of the family, that he would be a son to his father, be loyal to his family, that he was going to be a loyal son. And, uh, and no matter how many times uh, Samuel would come and ask for all the kids, and he'd be rejected, he wouldn't be a part of that, he was still determined that he was going to be a son. So in order to prepare ourselves in an encounter for God, we need to make sure and determine that we stay children of God, sons and daughters, that we know that God is our father, that we have a relationship with him, and that it's... A kind of relationship that's life-giving to us. Second thing he did was he determined that he was going to be faithful. With the few little sheep that he had, with the instructions that his dad had given him, he decided that he was going to be faithful right where he was. And that really is a key for you and me, for us to have an encounter with God. We, we need to be faithful right where we are. Faithful with what God has given us. You see, the Bible says that if we're not faithful with the little that we have... We're not faithful with what's been given to us. Then how can we be faithful with the true riches of the kingdom? How can we be faithful when someone gives us more? And so David determined he was going to be faithful. He also determined that he was going to be patient and wait on his promotion. And so David prepared himself. He prepared his heart for a God kind of encounter. And we read from Isaiah chapter 6 where the Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died... In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And that phrase, in the year that King Uzziah died, is a real uh, clue for us. What was King Uzziah all about? The Bible said that he wonderfully served the Lord, that the Lord, uh, he he took care of the things of God, that the Lord fabulously and wonderfully helped him until the day he became strong. And then once he became strong, he began to depart from serving God and began to serve himself. In the year that he died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And so we're going to see the Lord. We're going to have an encounter with God. We've got to make sure that we deal with all the spiritual pride in our life. We've got to make sure that we understand that it's not by my power, it's not by my might, but it's by God's Spirit that we get eternal things done. And we've got to remember that. We had amazing praise and worship during the week, lots of prophetic words. And here's another uh, thing I thought was really cool. Uh, We had a church in Victoria, Texas, C3 Victory Church, that joined us for every meeting last week. Every meeting, they were here at the noon hour. They were here at the evening hour, Monday through Friday last week. And so they joined us via the Internet, via online, and I spoke with the pastor a couple times last week. He just said, man, it's been amazing for us. It's as if we were right there with you. We have experienced the same, some of the same things that you have. There's a prophetic gift here. We prophesy. People are prophesying. People were dancing at the altar. It was really an exciting time for us. And I was encouraged by that in the sense that, you know, uh, technology sometimes is not all that groovy, but having the ability to worship with friends hundreds of miles away from us is really pretty a powerful thing, so that was cool. And they joined us every day online. We had several people that were healed. This is just a small list. Judy Wilson, hip and ankle. Bob Powers, his knees and his equilibrium. Uh, Paul Mason, one of our speakers, had a numbness that came down from his shoulder, his uh, elbow down into his hand, and he'd been dealing with that. He was healed. Phil Moss had a ringing in his ears since COVID, uh, uh, since he had COVID, and and God stopped that ringing in his ears. Jan Cleveland, we prayed for her scoliosis of the spine, and she began to walk straighter than she has in years. Kathy Moore, her son came back to faith, and there was a healing in her body. And I have one precious lady who came up on Wednesday, and uh, she got a prophetic word, Wednesday, during the lunch hour and Wednesday night. And after the service on Wednesday night, she came. She said, you know, I desperately need the Lord. I desperately need it. Tears running down her cheeks, dropping off her chin. And, uh, and she said, you know, I've got so many other issues that are going on. Financially, it's a mess. And I just need God's help. But I decided tonight, here's what she said, I decided tonight to put all my burdens on Jesus. And I just received JUST HIS PRESENCE. AND uh, and SHE WAS JUST TALKING ABOUT HOW GREAT IT WAS JUST TO BE IN THE PRESENCE OF THE LORD. THE NEXT NIGHT, SHE CAME UP TO ME, SHE SAID, YOU'LL NEVER GUESS WHAT HAPPENED, PASTOR. I SAID, WHAT? SHE SAID, I WENT TO WORK THIS MORNING. MY BOSS CALLED ME IN. HE GAVE ME A BIG PROMOTION. Yes. AND I SAID, YEAH, ISN'T THAT POWERFUL? AND SO GOD NOT ONLY WAS HEALING HER SOUL, BUT, demonstrating he's well capable of taking care of her at a great level. We had Dave Larley. Uh, Dave Larley is the rector or the pastor of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church. He's a dear friend of mine and of ours. And I asked him, I said, would you come every day at noon and just be with us from noon to one, Monday through Friday? I'd love for you to just give us a devotional, um, lead us in, in communion, you know, because the Anglicans take communion a lot different than we do. And I said, lead us in communion and, uh, and prophesy with some people. He was amazing. He did an amazing job. We've had 50, 60 people, 70 people here every, every uh, day. And uh, we learned a lot about the presence of the Lord. He talked to us about the road to Emmaus and Jesus being revealed in the breaking of bread. He talked to us about God's presence, that presence, being in His presence means we come face-to-face with God, face-to-face with God. Uh, God's presence is the place where dreams are born. God's presence is the atmosphere where the impossible becomes possible. God's presence is the place where we're shaped and changed into His image. God's presence is the place where our perspective changes, and in God's presence, WE GET A BIGGER VISION OF GOD'S GOODNESS FOR US. THAT PRAYER IS THE ENTRYWAY, IT'S THE GATEWAY INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD. AND SO IT WAS A POWERFUL TIME uh, with, WITH HIM, AND WE APPRECIATE HIM COMING. ON MONDAY NIGHT, PASTOR PAUL MASON TALKED TO US ABOUT TEACHING US TO NUMBER OUR DAYS. HE SAID THAT WE SHOULD LIVE WITH A SENSE OF URGENCY. And an act of faith, a deep community, a Godward confidence. It, he reminded us that the outcome of our faith is not on us, nor is it in our strength, but it is on him and on his strength. Paul was amazing. Uh, Tuesday, Pastor Chris McCrae met with us. Uh, pastor Chris is the senior pastor at Sojourn Church, the church that uh, Nancy and I came out of 27, 28 years ago, 29 years ago now. He told us... About a lot of things, I asked several people I said, "Help me remember uh, Pastor Chris's the title to his sermon, and somebody said this, another one said that, and we couldn't figure, we called can't hey, what did he say? Well, I'm not sure he gave us a title so but so there was some controversy about what his title of his message was, but there was no controversy on what he said because he told us about his dog butch <laughs> and And we learned a lot about Christianity through his dog, Butch. And so, it was amazing. It was an amazing message, and Chris did a great job. Uh, And here's here's his idea for us. He said, you know, in 2022, you can't carry the same mindset of 2022 into 2023. You got to change your mindset because God wants to grow and expand and mature and bless you. And, uh, and so you need to be ready for this. some new wine that's gonna have to go into new wine skins. Fantastic. On Wednesday night, my favorite night, Pastor Nancy and her running buddies uh, <laughs> it did the service. It was fantastic. <laughs> she talked about the significance of kingdom feet. She talked about her running buddies, Jane Rowland, Ginger Carmen, Brandy McDonald. And those women did a fabulous job. They, were, they did an amazing job. Jane. Preached on making room for God in your life. You might have to remove some things, reorder other things, restore some things. Ginger talked about God's presence filling the gaps and the empty places in your life. And Brandy McDonald's talking about God makes all things new. I mean, it was powerful. It was a great time. It was an amazing moment. We had a foot washing. Nancy told me maybe a week beforehand, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about us doing a foot washing during worship. I have to be honest with you. I just thought, oh, man, <laughs> there's one spot in my forehead that starts hurting when I <laughs> have to pry those ideas in there, push them in there. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it was one of the hi- it was one of the highlights of the whole evening. It was amazing, uh, Russell ann You did an amazing job and uh, of explaining foot washing, of sharing your testimony about it, and uh, great idea, honey. <laughs> FANTASTIC. IT WAS AMAZING. THURSDAY NIGHT, PASTOR JURGEN MATESIS WAS HERE. HE TALKED ABOUT AN OLD FAITH FOR A NEW YEAR. HE SHOWED US IN THE SCRIPTURES WHERE ISAAC HAD TO REDIG THE WELLS OF HIS FATHER BECAUSE THE PHILISTINE, THE ENEMY, HAD FILLED THEM UP, RENDERED THEM UNUSEFUL. AND HE'S TALKED ABOUT HOW THE ENEMY HATES GENERATIONAL TRANSFER AND THAT WE SHOULD LIVE WITH A SENSE OF EXPECTANCY, TRUSTING THAT GOD'S WORD IN OUR MOUTH HAS POWER. Not because of our mouth, but because His Word has power. And so, it was great. Friday night, Jake Sweetman was here from C3 uh, Los Angeles, and the title of his message was Go Again. He talked about the Apostle Paul being uh, in Philippi and having been beaten with rods, imprisoned, and uh, thrown out for dead, how he moved down to the next city, Thessalonica and how he shared in that next city the same thing he'd shared that had gotten him in so much trouble in the city before, and how easy it would have been just to quit and go back home, but how he went how he go, went again. And so he talked about the gospel, and uh, there's been a... Pa- you know, of all the stuff that went on, I keep, keep getting all these thoughts and uh, all these ideas and thoughts about what was shared, but something that stuck into me that, that I know the Lord gave to me uh, and now I'm going to share it with you, is from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2. And uh, we talked about this. It's a pretty amazing passage of Scripture. But Paul writes in verse 7, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Verse 8, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you had become dear to us. Paul said the motivation of his heart and the willingness to give his life again after having been beat silly in, in Philippi and now coming to the next city down the road, Thessalonica, the purpose in it coming was to impart the gospel, but not only to impart the gospel, but to impart his life. Why? Because those in Thessalonica had become so dear to him. And to me, that is the essence of the gospel. That not only we share with words the gospel, but we lay down our lives for one another. And the motivation for laying down our lives for one another is not just making some sacrifice, but the motivation for laying down our lives is because you have become dear to us. We love you. We love you. And we're willing to take a beating to be with you, to impart to you the good news that Jesus saves and impart to you our lives. And so I've been thinking about that passage and uh, thinking how important it is to have a motivation and build a church where we are dear to one another, where we're dear to one another. You see, a mother standing outside her burning house and realizing that her child is still in the house, she does not think about the sacrifice she's going to have to make to go in there. She doesn't think about that at all. She's not motivated by making a sacrifice for this child. What's she motivated about? She loves the baby, and she's going to do whatever she has to do to get to that baby. Sacrifice loses its significance in the face of love. It just does. And so if you feel like, you know, today that, you know, you have been sacrificing for God and what has he done for me, you missed the point. Paul makes that point here to the Thessalonians. He said we were happy, excited, thrilled to be able to impart to you the gospel and also our lives. Why? Because you have become so dear to us. We want to live in a Christian community where we're dear to one another, where the least is dear to the greatest and the greatest is dear to the least and everybody in between. And so it's exciting to know that God has that kind of thing in store for us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought it to us. You know, vision and preaching visionary about, hey, the coming year is like shooting arrows into the future. It's like getting a postcard back from the future that shows you a picture of how things will be tomorrow. And what I'm believing for us is that we'll have a church where we're dear to one another, right? Where we love one another and we're dear to one another. So I want to end today with a little advice from King David. Of course, King David uh, is one of the most written about people in the Old Testament. Had an amazing life. Started out as the eighth child of Jesse, as a shepherd boy. And there, as a shepherd boy, he wrote a majority of the Psalms that you read in the book of Psalms. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was able to bring two divided kingdoms back together and give the unified kingdom a vision for for the future. And here he is in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 at the end of his life. He's chosen the son, his son Solomon, to take the baton from him. And here, a battle-weary, worn, beat-up old man is going to impart the wisdom of his life to his son. And here's what he has to say in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, and He understands all the intent of the thoughts. And if you seek Him, you will be found, He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now there's a lot of meat in this charge. This is a charge from a father to a son, from a king to a soon-to-be king. From someone going out of one generation to the next generation coming up. And I believe that this word has significance for us. Just as if David were saying it to us today. And he begins by this. He says, I want you to know God. Not just have the knowledge of knowing about God, but I want you to know him. I want you to know him. I want you to have the kind of relationship with him that you can hear his voice, that you know his ways. I want you to have the kind of relationship with God where you, when your back, up is, is, when your back is against the wall, you, can, you know how to find the Lord. You know how to find the will of God. You know how to find the ways of God. That you have experience in hearing his voice in good times and in bad times but I want you to know the Lord. This was David's charge to his son. You know, you can uh, read the Bible. In fact, you can memorize every page of it and still not know its author. God wants you to know him, to have a personal, meaningful relationship with him, have a relationship where you hear his voice and walk in his ways. And so the first advice from King David, the King Solomon is to know the Lord. And that is the foundation of which all the rest of it rests, is a knowledge of God, a knowing God, a revelation of God that God has revealed himself to you. You can, again, know everything about the word, right? But the word is a tutor to bring you into the presence of God, to know God, to know him. Secondly, he says, I want you to serve him. I want you to serve Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We are servants and stewards. Nothing more, nothing less. There is no reason that we should get proud or puffed up about that occupation. Servant and steward. That's what we are. We serve Christ in our generation and we steward the things He's put in our hands. The stuff that you have. The bank account you got, the car that you drive, the jewelry that you own, the house that belongs to uh, you is not yours. It belongs to God. He gave it to you. Now, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards, stewards of the stuff that he's given us, but also stewards of the mysteries of God, that God reveals himself. And that's how you get to know him, through revelation. So we want to serve Him. Number three, we want to keep a loyal heart, a heart that's not rebellious towards God, a heart that's bent towards pleasing Him, a heart that defaults on loving God and going in His direction, a loyal heart. This is the hardest thing to do because there's so many things that capture our attention and draw us away from being loyal to God. So many things in our culture that says it's not cool to be loyal to God. You need to be independent, do your own thing, be self-actualized, find your own way. All that sounds good, but it leads to emptiness and brokenness. The Bible's very clear here, keep a loyal heart. Number four, and keep a willing mind. There's some of us here, and I would say maybe me and most of us actually, that could use a little bit of mind expanding You're a little bit uptight about thinking that you know what's right and everybody else is dumb. You're just a little uptight about all that. You're uptight about your political views. You're uptight about your social views. You're uptight about a lot of stuff. Calm down. That's why you need a body so bad, somebody that can just come down beside you and say, okay, okay, I heard you the first time. But we need to have a willing mind. And the greatest point I can see in my own willingness is that I have a willingness to listen to you, to hear your perspective without trying to draw a conclusion and place you in some little box. But hearing you, just hearing you, it it won't diminish you to hear somebody else, even if their opinion is totally opposed to yours. You don't have to. Hearing them doesn't mean you agree with them. Hearing them doesn't mean that you like them. (laughs) Hearing just is willing to say, what if they're right? I know know that's a hard question for you to ask, but what if they're right? Well, we got to have a willing mind. And a willing mind means that we love Jesus and we love people and we're willing to hear. We love all people because Jesus loves all people, and we're willing to listen and so have a willing mind. I didn't talk like that much about uh, listening the first, first service, so maybe there's, uh, somebody in here really needed to hear that. Number five, if you seek him, he will be found. If you seek him, he'll be found. If you go looking for God, you're going to find him. (laughs) Because he's going to want to make himself known to you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to reach out to him. He wants you to. And so, if we seek the Lord, we'll find him. If we draw near to God... He'll draw near to us. And so we need to make sure that those times we seem to have lost the edge in our relationship with God, those moments where things aren't going as planned, or maybe the word is not working like you thought it was going to work. But we know that our first stop is back to Him, our relationship with Him. Number six, his advice is never forsake God. Never forsake Him. That means I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. We'll move forward. And you know why? Because you have become dear to me. (laughs) Nancy and I have reached a place in our life where we're living not just for us anymore, our kids, but we live for the grandbabies. I mean, they're nearly angelic. (laughs) Every once in a while, they need a little bop on the bop. But they, we love them. We love being with them. But you realize when you're with them, I, I thought today when I saw Indian cigarette. Sigrid, I thought today when I saw them, I thought, those two are going to outlive me by 60 years at least. At least. I better be nice to them. I better teach them while I got them. Because I'm going to decrease, and they're going to increase. And so I want to live my life in such a way that it brings the next generation along. Finally, we want to live a life of faith. What does a life of faith look like? It's following Jesus. Wherever he leads, it's hearing his voice. It's obeying him passionately. It's loving him and loving others with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's a life of faith. Let's all stand together. I think you know when you, one of the great benefits for me, of a week of prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord, worshiping together, it 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 sort of resets my priorities. It 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 kind of it takes over my normal things that I do during the day and replaces them with prayer meetings and people and stuff that I, don't, I wouldn't normally do all day long. It causes me to reset my priorities. My priorities aren't getting to my office and typing something out new. It's being with somebody on the front row of the church or hearing Gabby tell her story or praying with, you know, somebody, hanging with somebody. It's a reset. And so why would you want to reset because you have become dear to me yeah you've become dear and i want us to have a kind of spiritual family that we're dear to one another and so i'm grateful for the time that we've had together this week but i'm really looking forward to this year we got big things in store i mean we're moving from one location to two locations we're building a world-class studio. I mean, I, I, I look at that. Like, oh, God, help, 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 help me, help us. But every time, I feel like the Lord says, just trust me. It's going to be fine. Yes, sir. I have to go back to remember I'm a steward and a servant, right? It's fantastic. Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes, and if you would extend two hands into heaven. I want you to say this tonight to Jesus, this morning to Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I surrender my life. I surrender my heart to you. Help me become the kind of Christian that others are dear to me. And I'm willing to give them the gospel. And I'm willing to give my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you glad you came today? Yeah. I'm thrilled you came today. For those of you that joined us online, thank you for being with us today. Give somebody a high five, give somebody a hug, tell them you, that, you, that they are dear to you. How about that? Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper in today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.